It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. On Sunday, July 17th, I flew into Cleveland, Ohio for the Republican National Convention. My trip there was anything but conventional. I was flying in from Nice, France, reporting on the ISIS soldier who drove a truck through a packed promenade, killing more than 80 people. The scene in Cleveland, Ohio, could not have been more different. And at the airport, that's where I ran into Kellyanne Conway. At the time, she was a Trump advisor, and cabs were hard to find, so we split an Uber ride into downtown Cleveland, and that is where today's story begins. Five months later, from the 14th floor of Trump Tower in Midtown Manhattan, welcome, Kellyanne Conway. Wow, Bill. Thank you so much. We're going to get to 22 questions in a moment here, but I want to frame this story in the scope of the last five months, and I want to work through critical parts of this campaign. You went to Trump's hotel that night in Cleveland. I believe he came in the following day, which would have been a Monday. In short, what did you think the state of his campaign was as he entered the convention in Cleveland? Uh, He was the underdog a little bit behind, but that should be expected. Hillary Clinton had been in public life for 30 years. She had already run for president uh, one time on her own, unsuccessfully, now twice unsuccessfully. But her husband had run twice successfully, so she was an old political hand. And she, of course, had run for United States Senate. Politics was in their bloodstream. She also had unlimited amounts of money, unlimited unlimited amounts of personnel, all the king's horses, all the king's men. I mean, she was sort of, you know, she's the prohibitive favorite, if you will, if you look at just political dynamics as being statist and not dynamic. So you, you thought he had a chance. Is oh, what absolutely. I all, he had a chance. The, admittedly behind, but you thought he had a chance. But being behind is good because then you then you're you look at your convention as an opportunity to really connect with people and get that lead and that bump coming out of the convention that shows you're a game day player and you're competitive for the presidency. And he did exactly that. I, I also felt that his the reason that he won the primaries, I mean, it was just nothing short of remarkable to vanquish 16 qualified men and women in these primaries, uh, people who had serious careers throughout their lives in government, outside of government. To vanquish them really meant that at least a portion of the electorate who would show up in the general bill was serious about elevating an outsider, a true disruptor, somebody who would go to Washington owing no one anything, which is pretty remarkable. I mean, people, voters have been telling pollsters like me that for decades. I want a chance to vote for somebody who's outside the system, who doesn't owe anybody anything. But I thought, will they actually see that through if they got the chance? And it started to look like they indeed would. A day prior, he announced Mike Pence to be his running mate. I would like to introduce a man who I truly believe will be outstanding in every way and will be the next vice president of the United States, Governor Mike Pence. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody. You sold Mike Pence to Donald Trump, correct? I was a big Pence fan. I've been an advisor and a friend of his for over a decade. He and his wife, Karen, and their family. I thought Mike Pence was the best pick only because, for several reasons. One, he had been in the House of Representatives for 12 years, 10 of which he served on the Foreign Affairs Committee. And we knew how dangerous the world is becoming. We know how important foreign policy and national security are, frankly. Uh, Mike Pence also is a successful governor of a Midwestern Rust Belt state, Indiana, where he had 
increase the number of educational reforms, vocational and technical education, where you graduate with a skills certificate in, in Indiana and you get right to work as a welder, as a pipe fitter, as someone who is, is in the trades. You support your family right away. Not everybody is college material. Is, um, is Mike Pence the vice president-elect today without you? Yes, of course. He has had a whole career. So Donald Trump would have bought the Pence argument without you? When they, I think for I think for Donald Trump, Mike Pence had him at hello. I'm I'm Governor Mike Pence because they clicked immediately oh, that, that, out of Evanston. That, that could have been. Um, <laughs> I was I was a big advocate from the beginning, yeah. and I introduced his name. But I think others had maybe said the same thing. Uh, but but I'm glad that that worked out because you know the vice the president elect Trump was considering many qualified people, friends of mine like Newt Gingrich and Chris Christie, whom I respect enormously. But I've always had this theory, Bill, especially in the last couple of years, that instead of parachuting in president and vice presidential nominees into these states, the upper Midwest and the Rust Belt, and saying, hey, I'm one of you, let me now just figure out a way to prove it. Why don't we start with somebody who really is from there and is of that area? Um, and then people identify with them. And so for Mike Pence to have been a Rust Belt guy who comes from a humble background, says he grew up with a cornfield in the back of his house, I, it, it helped enormously. But it's also that skill set of having the Washington. Mike Pence is somebody who was in Washington but never became of Washington. August 17th, you were elevated to campaign manager. How did you sell yourself to him? I feel like I was selected more than sold myself. I certainly didn't seek out the position, but we had a conversation the Friday before, and he just said he seemed frustrated at some of the ways things were going, um, given the fact that he knew, he and he's right, he was this historic candidate that was connecting with people, master communicator, just unbelievable, incomparable connector with people, and yet felt that maybe... The campaign needed a little something extra. There really was nothing bad said about anybody that was in the structure at the time so much as what else is needed. And I weighed in on that. I said what I th- how I thought he could win, that he was behind in the polls. And he said, oh, the polls. And I said, listen, I don't know a billion things about a billion things, but I know polling and we're behind, but we don't need to be. We don't need to lose. You can win. There are several paths to victory. But I would focus as a campaign manager on the electoral map because it's road to 270, not road to popular vote bill. I didn't see that in any of those fancy graphics packages. And focus on that. And then what I said to him was, you are running against the most joyless candidate in presidential political history. So let's go figure out a way to be aspirational, uplifting, and visionary. Not all mush-mush. That's not Donald Trump. He's a strong leader. People electing him because they want a strong leader. Um, and a guy who says what's on his mind and who's principled and consistent. But they also, they really wanted somebody who would be happy about it. I mean, he loves being with people. She looks like she'd show up at a campaign rally like she's getting another root canal. It's like, oh, geez, there's going to be people there again? First debate, September 26th, Hofstra University. Largest television crowd in the history of politics. A hundred million people watching. I will release my tax returns against my lawyer's wishes when she releases her 33,000 emails that have been deleted. As soon as she releases them, I will release... Now, many felt he lost that debate. I was told he later watched his own performance. Is that true? He did say it, at least excerpts of it. He did not feel like he lost that debate. He felt screwed by the microphone issue, which was later acknowledged by the Committee on Presidential Debate, CPD, which is sort of unprecedented for them to say... You know, we agree or there was a problem with the audio. It was, it was the feedback in the microphone. But beyond that, 
you know, people saw Donald Trump, particularly in the closing minutes, closing moments, really, that they weren't expecting somebody who pulled his punches about Hillary Clinton and didn't, quote, go there when he surely could have said what was on most people's minds, Bill, which is the way she had treated the women in her husband's life, um, either those who were victims of his sexual harassment, like Paula Jones, to whom he gave $850,000 in a settlement. The last time I didn't sexually harass someone here at work, I didn't give him $850,000. And so, or the ones who were uh, consensual, you know, women in Bill's life. And he didn't do that. And Donald Trump at the, at the moment said, you know, I came here prepared to say some not so nice things, but I see your husband and your daughter, your family there. I'm not going to say it. And he got zero credit for being gracious and gentlemanly because that's our ridiculous pitched political system now. Move 11 days later. It's Friday evening. It's early October. October 7th, Bill. Who's the counting? Access Hollywood story drops. And by all accounts, many inside Team Trump tell me that was the most challenging period. Uh, agreed? It was very challenging, and it was challenging because it was exactly one month until Election Day, one month and a day until Election Day, and it caught us totally unaware. And you're two days before the St. Louis debate. Two days debate, before the St. Louis debate, and, debate and the day two. in between, the big story was that some of us were going to resign, that he was dropping out, he tried to find a way to get Mike Pence on the top of the ticket, none of which was true. He was not going to turn his back on the millions of people who are relying upon him to help them feel more safe and feel more prosperous. But he made a decision to put a video out that night, yes. the day that you recall very well. Anyone who knows me knows these words don't reflect who I am. I said it, I was wrong, and I apologize. Was Team Trump keeping track of who supported and who did not, over who called and who did not, over who said, put me out there and I'll defend you, and who did not? Well, I didn't start writing it on the wall in my office, but I'm half Italian, so I have a long memory. And uh, we certainly knew, and, and people made obvious, if they wanted to come out against him, they tripped over themselves to get in front of a camera or to put out like a two-page statement. I thought you could have covered it in a sentence or two myself. And Melania Trump did, and Mike Pence did. And then orally, people like me did. Not that I'm up there with Mike Pence and Melania Trump. I am not their peer. But I was asked constantly what I thought about it. And I said it. But look, go back to Donald Trump's words. That really, I think he set the stage very well. He said, I regret this. Um, it's not how I speak. It was a long time ago. And then he reaffirmed why he's running in the first place and what it means to America. And that's what leaders do. Leaders say, I made a mistake. I'm sorry for it. And here's how we're dusting off and moving on. And people appreciated that by and large, Bill, because it showed his his discipline, his commitment to them and why he's running in the first place, which, of course, we know has nothing to do with power, prestige, status, money, position. He already has all of that. And so the usual political motivators do not apply to him. The um, fact that you are half Italian, that would suggest that you were keeping score. Well, it suggests that is, is that a fair is that a fair conclusion? Well, I'll tell you one thing about that. Um, I'll tell you one thing about that. Well, I'm not a vindictive person at all. I just think it was, but I'm a protective person. And I am protective of Donald Trump, no doubt. And people always say, you go on TV and you defend him. What I do is I explain him because I know 
what's in his heart and on his mind. I know when he says I have a five-point plan to defeat radical Islamic terrorism, when he says I'm going to create 25 million jobs over 10 years and unleash energy and get rid of the Obamacare penalty on day one or two, when he says I'm going to nominate Supreme Court justices in the likeness of Antonin Scalia, he means it, and I'm there to explain that and reaffirm it. But on this, had you asked me at the time to write down 75 people I know, pick peers, acquaintances, close friends, family members, and had you asked me to write down deal breaker, non-deal breaker on the Access Hollywood tape, I would have failed the quiz. The way people reacted to that was so sporadic. It was so mind-boggling to me. The number of women who came forward and said, ah, like, I don't like it at all. I, I can't stand that talk. I, I, but, but, but he's running on bigger things. Or, you know, that was 11 years ago. And then you'd have people... You know, you had people with their heads exploding and their hair on fire who we never heard from again. We're hearing from them now, Bill. They're looking for positions in the administration, some of the highest levels. October 19th, we arrive in Las Vegas for debate number three. I'm Chris Wallace of Fox News, and I welcome you to the third and final of the 2016 presidential debates between Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Donald J. Trump. By most accounts, his performance, Mr. Trump's, had improved greatly. What was the difference between Hofstra and debate number one and Las Vegas debate number three? I actually think he performed well in all three debates, as does he. But also, don't forget debate number two in St. Louis. That was literally hours after, you know, two days, hours after the Access Hollywood tape came out. And people wondered if he would even show up at all. So the fact that he did and turned on such a strong performance, and I thought Hillary Clinton's performance at that debate was a little bit halting. Maybe part of it was the press conference that Donald Trump had right before the debate with Paula Jones and Kathleen Willey and Juanita Broderick and, and certainly Kathy Shelton, which is in a category by herself. When she was 12 and she was raped by a man in Arkansas, Hillary Clinton defended that rapist and got him a plea deal and then laughed about the polygraph test and the evidence. To, to uh, this later. day, you believe that had an effect I know on it her did. performance. I know it did. Um, because they were, listen, this is somebody who's very scripted. And when you're scripted and you're running against the most unscripted X factor to ever explode onto the political scene, at least in our lifetimes, Bill, then you're going to get ham It's like not in the script. You know, a robot only has so many microchips in its, in its uh, database. And that one wasn't in there. Friday, November 4th, four days before America chooses its next president. Three leading members of the Trump team came to the Fox News channel to tell us that we were wrong about Florida, that we were wrong about North Carolina. They made a strong case about Michigan. And you're, by trade, you're a pollster. And in the walk from the Fox News channel to Trump Tower that day, your team told me that, Bill, after this election on Tuesday, we're going to have to question the way do, we do polling in America. They were I, right. said, I said, why was that? They said, how many times do you answer your cell phone from a number that you do not identify? And I say, never. He said, and that's the problem. You cannot reach people anymore. That's one of the problems. The other problem is, and I'm sorry I missed that meeting. We had done it at other networks, but I was traveling with the president-elect that day, introduced him at the Hershey rally that night, and told the crowd, on Tuesday, four days from now, when they call Pennsylvania... For Donald J. Trump, they will then call the uh, uh, he's the president for Donald J. Trump. Um, it was very special to me because I grew up outside of that area. Um, anyway, uh, our team is right, and our team saw things all along nobody else did. Why? Number one, we saw early on, Bill, that the Obama coalition was going to have 
a hard time coalescing around and sticking with Hillary Clinton. You just can't transfer that coolness. You can't transfer that historic nature of the first African-American president that President Obama, of course, possesses. You can't. um, People just didn't believe that she was the change maker. He was that she was outside the system. You know, those of us who were critical of Senator Obama, candidate Obama, as lacking in the experience, a lot of Americans saw what they saw in Donald Trump, which is that's kind of refreshing somebody who goes to Washington and is not hasn't been there for decades and knows all the lobbyists. And but I'm, does I'm all still these curious to know, based on technology, how you reach people. And, and perhaps sure. th- that's a story for the next cycle. Yes, but, go go sure. to November 8th. It's Election Day. And Donald Trump has said repeatedly that his kids were bringing him bad news throughout the day. Well, those are exit polls. We told him to ignore them. Where was your head that afternoon? Well, before, by about October 22nd, I knew he'd win. And I told him that. October 22nd. Absolutely. And I told him that we were on our way to Gettysburg. That's three days after debate number three in Las Vegas. Yes, which was an amazing day. Look, for him to have performed so well in that debate, and Secretary Clinton did very well in that debate, frankly, but she just is no match for somebody who's so nimble and so willing to bring cultural and business responses, aspects to his responses to political questions. She just couldn't. She was unmatched. And here's why. Think about how it took a billionaire man who lives in Manhattan, who was pro-choice for most of his adult life, to give the most impassioned defense of life that any of us have ever heard from a podium at a presidential debate. Based on what she's saying and based on where she's going and where she's been, you can take the baby and rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month on the final day. And that's not acceptable. It was unbelievable. And she had no response. He basically said you would rip the baby out of the womb hours before it's born. And she was like, you know, she basically like Roe versus Wade, a woman's right to choose. It's like, again, microchip number 862. And he's accusing you basically of infanticide. You have no defense because there is no defense. Here's who's really extreme on this. I'd been working on that messaging for 20 years and couldn't get the most pro-life people you've ever met to go. It's like, well, but it takes a non-politician to be able to say, you know what? This is not right versus left. This is right versus wrong. Who are we as a nation? If, as he says, we don't take care of our veterans, they're dying waiting for care. And he said that night, who are we as a nation if we don't protect our most vulnerable hours before they're born? You're the mother of four children. And you have told the New York Times just last week that being a mother of four is it's difficult to go work at the White House. But it's such a blessing. But you have also said you want to be, quote, right outside his office. That would mean the West Wing. Will that happen? That's a possibility. And it's a possibility that's available to me. And that means that I am I've already been bestowed a blessing beyond compare that very few people in our nation will ever know. And I am completely humbled by that gravity and that responsibility. Uh, I will tell you that it's Donald Trump and, frankly, Mike Pence, but it's President-elect Trump, who I know is very family-friendly in all of his policies, and he means it. It's not like they have some kind of handbook on page 242 will tell you that we're family-friendly. And then the minute you try to go to a dance recital or a soccer game, it's like, oh! You can't. We, we just put that in our, our, our lawyer, put that in the handbook. He means it. I see him with his daughter's children. I see him with his 
uh, with his daughter-in-law's children. I see him with his son who's 10 and his entire family. This man is gracious and a gentleman and is all about family. And he means that about other people's families. So I'm not worried about the family friendliness of the Donald Trump White House. If I were in Vegas and I'm trying to guess at your decision, am I on the 51% side of the West Wing or the 49% side? 51. 51. But don't go, don't go betting yeah. the farm. Last weekend, December 17th. You see how the 17th You're so good. I know it. My twin's birthday is October 17th. I like it. Let's, it, go, let's go Exactly. Play okay. Exactly five months since our ride into downtown Cleveland. You were pulled on stage in Mobile, Alabama. It was a Saturday <laughs> afternoon by the <laughs> oh president. We won like 2,700 counties. Where's Kellyanne? Kellyanne. Where's our great Kellyanne? Come here. Come here. Come here. I got to get her up. She told me 2,700. So she didn't know I was going to do this. She didn't know I was going to do this. Think about that five-month ride. It's a pretty heady experience. It's amazing, Phil. It's so heady. I can't believe it's five months. I mean, it takes nine months to have a baby. If you ask me how long I've been at this for Donald Trump, I would say like five months and then dog years. It just seems so long because every day is so intense. And we are such a cohesive, scrappy, loyal team of talented people who, I mean, the, the people around here who worked so hard and believed in him and just kept it all together and found a way. To me, it just truly channels the American spirit because we had a fraction of Hillary Clinton's personnel, a fraction of her campaign budget. And yet we we did this. He did this. This is his campaign, certainly his choice is his voice. But it's just, to me, it's the way, it is the American dream story at the presidential level. And that is why I believe these people on the thank you tour bill, tens of thousands strong, certainly out on the campaign at these rallies, I think they come out because they feel like they're part of a movement and they feel that he did this for them. And he, they feel that it's, it's, almost, it's almost what all of our grandmothers told us, right? That you can do anything in a country that respects individual liberty and personal freedom and gives you an opportunity to dream big and to achieve. Thank you so much for doing your part to elect the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. 22 questions. Favorite monument in Washington, D.C.? Jefferson Memorial. Your favorite thing to do on the weekend? Hang out with my family. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Chocolate. Favorite Christmas show? Charlie Brown. Favorite Christmas recording artist? Perry Como. Favorite child? <laughs> That's a little unfair. What's the All co- four of them. What's the coolest thing in your house? Things that my children have made for me. What's the coolest thing in your office? The 2016 electoral map, where we got 100 more electoral votes than Mitt Romney. What's your favorite board game? Parcheesi, because it reminds me of my grandmother. Bottled water or tap water? Tap. Fluoride. What's, What's the first website you visit in the morning? Foxnews.com. Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. I'm not even on Facebook. Do you have a favorite app? No. Washington, D.C. or New York City? Oh, Yes, actually. Um, Stuffed mushrooms. Mm. Washington, D.C. or New York City? Ah, both of the above. Favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Wawa. (laughs) What time did you get up this morning? 6.42. How many emails do you get a day? 
That's 600. Favorite restaurant in Washington, D.C.? The Palm. Best book you've ever read? Path to Power by Margaret Thatcher. If you were to binge watch a series, name that series. Scandal. What is your favorite thing about this past year? The 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Kellyanne Conway, thank you for your time. Thank you, Bill. And a Merry Christmas. God bless you. Thank you. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.